You're listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Welcome to the time where you listen to words said by Josiah and Ethan on your podcast app, probably in your car, but maybe in your AirPods or earphones, if, like me, you are a peasant. (laughs) Uh, Me too. Me too. It's a strong, also, I agree. (laughs) Because I ain't got those, my friends. I was trying to do the Kelsey Grammer, Frasier, I was thinking, you know, the radio intro. The the minute you started, I'm like, we're at... uh, K-A-C-L. K-A-C-L. I was going to say something definitely incorrect, but yeah. Frasier Crane on K-A-C-L. Nice. I'm listening. Yes. Good stuff. That's it. Yeah, but we're not. That's, no, no, no. We're not on the radio. Uh, we're not in Seattle. Neither. We're on the opposite coast, as a matter of fact. Do you often listen to your car, or do you often listen with earbuds or something like that, or headphones? Almost always my car. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if I'm in my house and I want to listen to something, I use Bluetooth and hook it up to Alexa, or Alexa. Okay. Yeah, I listen aloud at home sometimes as well. Yeah. Typically. I usually like binge when I'm doing work that I don't have to pay attention to. That doesn't sound so good. No, I understand what you mean. Like there are things that you can do without having to think about it yeah. super hard. And you can also you know? pay attention to what you're listening to that way. Right. Yeah. Once I built like an IKEA screwed together metal frame kitchen table yes. thing while listening to a podcast about Jonestown. You know, it's just the casual right. relatable thing that everyone does. Yeah. Jonestown definitely. horrors. Horrors. And kitchen tables. And kitchen tables. What better pairing? And you put some flavor aid on that later. <laughs> drank some flavor aid. Oh god. Gosh, yeah, that's Lord Jonestown. Yeah, joke. It's I find it, I find it weird, and I don't know if any listeners maybe also feel this way. But when I when I listen to a podcast when doing a thing, they become like corollary. Like I will think of one or the other together. Like if I'm playing a game or working on a specific project or something, mm-hmm. and I go back to that thing, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember listening to this exact story about this thing. And it's it's very strange how how vivid those memories are. Mental associations. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of neat. That is crazy. Well, speaking of crazy things, <laughs> I can't. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you read the description, I mean, maybe you know what's, what's coming I up. cannot imagine what we're going to name this episode, but if you're listening, you must have figured it out. <laughs> yeah, you must have. Uh, good luck. Well, this all comes up because recently two people separately have asked about a very strange passage. I would hope they came to you separately. In the book of Exodus. Yeah, wouldn't that be weird if together two people at the like, same time? We have a question for you. I don't want to be there <laughs> when anyone else asks these questions. Yeah, there is a, a strange passage in the book of Exodus. There are a number of strange passages in the book of Exodus. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. It, but this one is... It's very fantastical. It is. It's Exodus 4, 24 through 26. And this happens after Moses has spoken with God in the burning bush and when he's on his way back to Egypt to see to the work of the Exodus. So this is like his initiation moment. Like he's just received. Received the commission. Yeah. He is, he's going out. And then this little thing happens. And this is what people have come asking me what the heck about. (laughs) So here's, here's what it says. At a lodging place on the way, the Lord met him and sought to put him to death. Already? Very frightening. Yeah. Then Zipporah, Moses' wife, took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and touched Moses' feet with it and said, Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me. So he let him alone. It was then that she said a bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. I don't remember this scene in The Prince of Egypt. (laughs) 
I don't. I was not. I was. That this was not, not featured. Um, they, they did not animate this scene. That was not. And I'm deleted. thankful. Like, I am so. I am viscerally uncomfortable. Every part. I. I. I'm picturing this whole situation unfolding, and I'm not pleased about it at all. <laughs> I like the foot touching, like the foreskin, and the blood. I I understand that foot hygiene was a little different, you know, circumstances demanded that, but this is beyond the pale for me. <laughs> I I have many questions. I'm not sure I want them answered, actually. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's the real thing. We're oh, like, gosh. do we actually want to know what and why? A little bit. It's like, um, I don't know. Kind of this macabre curiosity. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, ah, uh, like, I want to know, but do I? Do I want that knowledge? It's, I, it's like, it's a, it's a masochistic curiosity. <laughs> That's a great way to put it. Yeah, this is weird. That's all I'm going to... I agree. I mean, this is weird. There is so much strangeness happening here. Yeah. But then that's it. Like, also, just to point out how extra strange it is, like, verse 27, immediately after, like, no transition, really, just verse 27 says, the Lord said to Aaron, go into the wilderness to meet Moses. Like, no big deal. Like, You'll know like, oh, him. Yeah. You'll know him by his bloody feet. <laughs> that is... His, it's so casual. son will be hunched over, oh, you know, Oh, my the gosh. The, 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 the fact that they treat it so casually how old is the son now actually not 100 sure okay based on the text yeah. um in fact that's one of the many questions yeah it is that comes up it's like which of his sons like was it gershom or eleazar there are just so many weird things that we're just not 100 sure of yeah and it's just a weird event all kinds of strangeness yeah just another day out here in israelite exodus twilight zone <laughs> For real, for yeah, real. Yeah. So let's at least try to work with what we do know and answer the question, what is happening in this passage? Because, believe it or not, I do think that the underlying principles that are on display here do have some corollary to the Christian life, believe it or not. Uh, well, I'm ready <laughs> to find out. Strange? Yeah. So there seems to me to be one main point in the midst of all the weirdness and relative ambiguity. Because the other thing that's kind of weird about this, if you read this passage in your Bible, you should see a footnote where it says Moses, so like where she touched Moses' feet, the pronouns are not clear about no. like who he's talking about. Like, is it is it Moses? Is it the son? Like, was Zipporah like actually touching her son's feet? Like, we're not oh. 100% clear. Oh. Like, the most plain rendering would make you think it was Moses. But yeah. the pronouns just, they're generic. You know, his, 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 his. So it's very ambiguous. Yeah. But... In spite of all that, it seems that the one main point is that receiving the sign and seal of God's covenant is important. That yeah. it does matter, which seems, I think, probably self-evident to us as Christians. Like, well, yeah, of course, like the signs and seals of the covenant matter. <laughs> yeah, duh, of course. <laughs> but in this context. But yeah, so we got to think about it in these terms. The big issue here is circumcision, obviously. Yeah. Like that's, that is the thing. The Lord is there to put someone to death, and then when circumcision happens, everything is chilled out. I also appreciate that you just indicated someone, someone to death. Yeah. Not actually 100% sure what's happening. Yeah. Was it Moses? Was it one of the sons? Like, what's the deal here? Yeah. Because here's the other thing is in the immediately preceding context, God is talking to Moses and saying, go to Pharaoh and tell him, if you don't let my people go, I will destroy your firstborn. Yeah. So like there's some of that happening in the air too. So you kind of wonder like, is that what, like, is God acting out like, hey, you're being disobedient right now and- You can't be my emissary here if if your life is out of order. Right, exactly. The point there being is that circumcision is 
happening here, obviously, and it is important. In order to understand why this is important, let me begin with the modern corollary. What baptism is to us as believers now in the church, it's the entrance sacrament into the church, so to speak, the sign which signifies and in some mysterious way enacts our union to Christ in the church. What baptism is to us now is what circumcision was to the children of Abraham. They're the same sort of entrance rite that set someone apart and signify that they are part of the covenant community of God's people. So even before the law was given, this is important, even before the law was given, because obviously this is, you know, Exodus 4, the Exodus hasn't happened. Moses has not been given the Ten Commandments, let alone the whole Deuteronomic Code. (laughs) Circumcision became the distinguishing mark of the Israelites. God told Abraham that anyone who was not circumcised was to be cut off from his people. God had said that to Abraham. And so the obvious problem here is that one of Moses' sons, either Gershom or Eleazar, again, because none of the pronouns in this text are clear, we're not 100% sure, right. yeah. but one of those sons has not been circumcised. So Moses is about to go into Egypt to do the work of God by leading the Exodus, but he's not kept the covenant of God. He has failed to circumcise at least one of his sons. And to be outside of God's covenant is to experience death and separation from God, which is exactly what is going to happen to Pharaoh and his son and the Egyptians if they don't let the people of God go. Right. Of course they don't. And as I pointed out just a little bit earlier, that is in fact the immediately preceding context of what happens here. God tells Moses this is what's going to happen to Pharaoh and his sons. And all that is to say that so far as I can tell, this odd story is meant to reinforce to Moses and the reader, one, how serious God is about his covenant. Like that's that matters. Like we, we need to be in on God's covenant in order to not experience death and separation from him. And the signs affiliated with that covenant are serious. They do matter. Now, of course, I do want to clarify the thing signified in the sign is what matters. Like, that's the real heart of the issue, right? Right. This comes up all the time with Israel. God would say, you are circumcised in flesh, but not circumcised in heart, oh. right? Use like Literally use that exact imagery. But all that is to say is that the sign does matter too. You have to have the sign as well. Yeah, see, the thing, I, I find this strangely hard to untangle, maybe because yeah. I'm a human. <laughs> see, yeah, as we all are. Like we only have that perspective, but I feel like I can't help but wonder the idea that this would place his son, Moses' son, I guess, outside of the covenant. Mm -hmm. I assume that's what we're to understand. So in this context, we're to believe that the sign is so vitally connected to uh, salvation is not exactly the word I want to use, but the belonging within the covenant Mm -hmm. that his son would be, I guess, cut off spiritually or something, or would experience some sort of separation, Mm -hmm. regardless of any sort of sacrifice or sacrament that they had performed at that time. Mm-hmm. And if it's that insanely critical, Moses yeah, eh, just forgot. Yeah. So like that's... One of the sons, we got it. But the other one, eh, no, we got lax on right. son number two or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Like how how connected, I mean, it feels like it's the all or nothing because yeah. he's about, someone's about to be put to death. It seems right. really insanely weighty. Yeah. And I think that's the difficulty with these kinds of things is Okay, like here's a New Testament example. Let me say this. The thief on the cross. Yes. We don't know about his previous life. I'm not 100% sure. You can't tell from the text. Or like, was he Jewish? Like, what was the deal there? You know, like, was he circumcised? You know, all we know is he was a thief. Probably lived a life of, you know, degeneracy and, you sure. know, crime to some degree. But then he professes faith in Jesus. He does not receive baptism. Exactly. He does not receive baptism. But it's not as if Jesus is like, well, hold up, get down from the cross and, uh, <laughs> you know, go get yourself to a, a we got, we you know, pool of water. We got to settle this first. Yeah, we got to do this first. He's like, no, today you'll be with me in paradise. 
paradise. Yeah. It would be, I think, stretching it. Like you say, salvation's not the word you want to look for. You don't want to say, well, if you're not, then, you know, if you're not baptized, then you're not saved yet. Yeah, but there's this strange importance. That's, yeah, like, and that's the weird exception. Like the dude's on the cross, he's dying. You don't want to make a rule out of the exception. Because, I mean, assuming there is something to this, like, let me, I would ask this question because, you know, circumcision obviously played this role. If someone came to me, you know, a healthy person, you know, and they're like, you know, uh, profess faith in Jesus, all this stuff. And like, all right, like, well, let's, you know, get you baptized next. Like, well, I don't want to really be baptized. What I want to ask is, okay, well, why not? Like, what is it about baptism? That you don't, you know, you got some people like, like, well, I'm like literally like deathly afraid of water, you know, like sure. I'm like, like well, they're physiologically okay, I get that, but like other than that, you know, like why don't you want to receive baptism? Other than like trauma, right? And so, sure, there is something that is intimately connected with these things. I can think of a few more reasons that you might not want a circumcision at age thirty. Yeah, right. That's like, yeah, that's a lot more painful and uh, traumatizing. <laughs> traumatizing is reason. the word. Yeah, and then you do have this aspect where I think what you pointed out is, you know, Moses knows this, yeah, to some extent. Like, he knows I need to do this. We don't know why or how, but at some point he's just like, nah, I'm not doing it. <laughs> Which is like, at that point it is, it's just, you're basically saying, well, God, like, I'll do this thing, but I'm not going to do this thing. You're, you're cherry picking how you are obedient. Yes. Okay. And I think that's really the heart of it because at the point, you know, thief is on the cross. He he has no choice now. <laughs> he's like, you know, I'm sure if he could have been baptized, he would. Yeah. But... At that point, those choices are removed from you. And so obviously that's not the case here with Moses. Yeah. And so... I think maybe it's a point of comparison that could derail us is that like how much people will sometimes like to emphasize like fruits of the spirit yeah you're like are you know what kind of what kind of what kind of fruit are you producing like that sort of <laughs> yeah. thing as like this you know metric which is yeah. understandable right but this thief on the cross he's got nothing to show for it right, right? he doesn't have time to get right. down and, and live a righteous <laughs> yeah. life like all right like, i'm done thieving now yeah you know? so it's you know it's like the expectation is that if it is within your power to do so that you that you do so yeah obviously if you're falling from a plane and your parachute doesn't work yeah that's it like sorry cry out pray the jehoshaphat prayer you know cry out you know like god have mercy on <laughs> I mean, but like, that's it, right? You can't be like, hope I fall in the ocean. Yeah, like, that's what I did. Like, I received baptism just in an unexpected way. <laughs> Very quickly. Yeah, so the signs of the covenant matter. They are intimately connected to our obedience. I mean, it's a, you know, it's kind of a first step of obedience. Yeah, that's another good point to draw out. Anyway, you get into all the weirdness here, and beneath that, I think you see the primary issue at play here is are you taking the covenant seriously and will the signs of the covenant be applied? And as far as the specific details of this passage go, I'm honestly not 100% sure. I just don't know. It's a little difficult to tell. I did consult a few very scholarly commentaries. Mm -hmm. Almost no one is agreed on anything. <laughs> like I read like one commentary said a completely, like basically their analysis was like way over here. Mm -hmm. And then I read another commentary and the analysis was way over on the other side. Like yeah. it was just so like, we just, cause it's just so weird as far as the details go. Like they yeah. were all, they were all fairly agreed on that main point. But the details, I don't know if Zipporah is speaking derogatively or positively when she it, says you're a bridegroom of blood to me. Right? Like what is like, weird. are you, is she chastising? It feels a little tiny bit threatening. Yeah. Like, it feels like there's like some shame. It feels like an indictment or yeah, something. Yeah. And Ugh. like, there's no other text in the scripture that illuminates why touch the feet? Why say <laughs> yeah. that phrase? Like there's nothing else that illuminates that. The only thing we can assume, I think, is that these were things that were somehow associated with the right of circumcision. Right. Now, the one other thing I will draw out that I did discover 
is that flint knives and circumcision do show up again significantly in Joshua 5, 2 through 3, in which the sons of Israel have to be circumcised before they enter into the conquest of the promised land. So I think that reinforces the basic theory here, is my point, is that only God's covenant people can do his work and enter into his presence or into his holy land, and God's covenant people are marked out by the signs of the covenant. I think that all reinforces that basic premise and how you apply that and what that gets down into in the nitty-gritty details— you know, we may differ on that, but I think the main premise is is true. Yeah. So again, here's the thing is for us, we do have signs of the covenant of the, uh, what, you know, for lack of a better term, we call the new covenant in Christ, and that's baptism and the Lord's Supper, right? So baptism is for us that entrance, right? That's what we do. We profess our faith in Jesus. We are baptized, which signifies our, our union with Christ, our entrance into the covenant people of God, and then the Lord's Supper is our sustaining right. It is our equivalent of the Passover. So it is that meal we take together in which we are nourished on the promises of God, and we are reminding ourselves that the blood of the Lamb covers us, and so the angel of death passes over us. Yeah. We are saved. We are led on a new exodus. So I don't think I've ever been more grateful for the new covenant than I am on this very morning, more or less. <laughs> you know? It's... Um... <laughs> It's a lot nicer. <laughs> oh, yeah. You can imagine, you know, like almost kind of jokingly, but not really, like literally what a hang up it was for, <laughs> you know, if you wanted to become an Israelite, basically, like you wanted to attach yourself to the monotheistic worship of the one true living God. And they were like, yeah, well, if you really want to become part of our people, if you're a man, sorry, but. You know, I like the word Gentile. <laughs> yeah. It's got a ring to it. It's got a ring. You know, I like that. I'm so glad that, you know, Paul and the apostles realized that in Christ, it's like, oh, yeah, no, that's not the baptize them and, you know, do the thing. But yeah. that's that's it. So, yeah, which all that leads me to say maybe we need to do another episode sometime on how our sacraments actually function in the church. But sure. at any rate, another episode for another time. And that is uh, my hot take, our hot take on this strange incident in Exodus 4. Yeah. Fun times. Man. Did that. Got into it there. <laughs> Woof. So I'm just going to leave that where it is. <laughs> yeah, I, there's nothing. <laughs> nothing more that can be said, really, no. or that I want to say anymore. <laughs> so uh, thank you for listening. Hopefully this uh, in some degree cleared up a strange passage for you, if you've read that before. Hopefully we didn't muddy the waters too much. That'll be, that'll be the tragic concept. Like, oh, no, I was more confused after it's done. Like, I have utterly failed. This is all wrong. So... At any rate, thank you for listening. If you do have further questions about that, I mean, I don't know that I'll have anything else to say, but if you have them and you want to ask them or on any other topic, you can email us. Please make it another topic at <laughs> podcast, <laughs> podcast at horizonschurch.net or you can interact with us on social media. And if you found this helpful, elucidating, and you want to leave us an honest five-star review, mm. if nothing else, like Ethan, you can express your gratitude that yeah. you don't have to do these things anymore. You know, share share this episode with a friend. Make it their first episode. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> like, why are you listening to this weird <laughs> podcast? Oh, well, thank you as always for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.